Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast. I'm Peter Hostrosser, the host. Hey, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, hit that reminder button or bell wherever you're at listening and also head over to disrupteducation.co if you go there you can read my blog see what's going on connect with me and uh, check out some of the programs that I've created uh, as well to help you on your journey to disrupting education and becoming a better person on today's podcast I have Shiloh Webb she is all about helping edu- educators avoid burnout Um, Shiloh loves to inspire people and take action uh, on simple things that can substantially improve their lives. As a former educator and almost burning out, she took her experiences and is now not only helping people in many, many different areas, but also focusing in on the educators that need it as well. We'll be right back with Shiloh. Hang on. The podcast starts next. Are you an individual or business wanting to create an online course or training program, but are overwhelmed with the e-learning process and don't even know where to start? If so, you don't want to miss this free masterclass called Create and Launch a Successful E-Learning Program Online Course or Virtual Training, where you will learn the biggest mistake most people make with e-learning, the number one reason most e-learning programs fail, and the three pillars to create extraordinary value for your learners every time and much more. Get instant access to the free masterclass right now by clicking on the link in the description. All you have to do is sign in and you will get instant access to this free masterclass right now. The Disrupt Education vlog can be found on YouTube. To hear it in podcast form, search Disrupt Education on any of the following podcast platforms. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Welcome to this episode of Disrupt Education. I'm Peter Hostrasser, the host of the podcast. Do me a favor, hit that subscribe button. Uh, Give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. On today's episode, I have Shyla Webb. She is an ed consultant with Intermatter, um, all about mindfulness and uh, social-emotional learning for educators. The list goes on. Welcome, Shyla. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your podcast today, Peter. I'm very excited to talk about what's happening in Intermatter and education. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's let's start there. What what is it and and how did you get involved in in Intermatter and the mindfulness and the educators? Obviously, this year we need it. Yeah. Stress is higher than ever, I think, just all around the globe. Um, but particularly in specific professions like education. Um, So how I got into the field is I was an educator myself and still have those licenses. So I began as a paraprofessional, um, specifically working with students with emotional behavioral disorders, just kind of exploring the area of education I wanted to work in. I was checking out special education, regular education, and where I fell in love was working with students with emotional behavioral disorders and learning disabilities. Then went a few more years, had some exposure to autism and added that licensure to my special ed background. So 
I started out as a paraprofessional just for that trial and error, went on to become a special education teacher where I served 17 years. And then the last few years of working in public education, I was an administrator for special education. Um, through those years of experience, I knew when I went into special education that there was a chance that I would burn out within the first five years of my teaching profession. And so I went in feeling equipped, you know, energized, go getter. And it was about my third or fourth year teaching that I completely burnt out and I wasn't ready to leave the profession. I had so much passion to work with these students. I loved seeing the rewards of it, but I knew that the price that I was paying physically, mentally, and emotionally, the cost was high. And so at that point, social emotional learning, um, those types of strategies were starting to come out and I started digging in. Like, not only will this help my students, I think that this could help me as an educator. And so that's what I did. I, I spent probably the last 15 years um, and more even working on and just researching burnout. How do I meet my own social emotional needs? And I need to meet them in order to meet the the needs of the students. Um, and that became very clear to me. And so here I am with Inner Matter. I resigned because I was be I was asked to teach more and more to work with teacher groups as an administrator and holding that job, that level of a job and all the demands that come with that and doing the extra stuff, I just couldn't do it. So I resigned so that I could help even more educators and hopefully reduce the burnout that's happening in education. At Intermatter, we um, specialize with stress management, workload fatigue, achievement results, and team dynamics. So we really look at the group and the building as a whole, or even the person as a whole. And we believe that change happens from inside out. Oh, definitely. And kudos to you. Uh, you know, with with students with learning differences and special ed, um, that is such a demanding, it's total demanding uh uh, place in education. Um, I, I, it's funny. I went into administration myself a little bit, and um, yeah, it's stressful. Even even without those stressors, just even in a, in a you know different department. So I I hear that. So I got to ask, what kind of student were you? What was your path like in education? Oh, that's a great question. So my first elementary years, I was that student that received exceeds expectations and the report card. Um, my parents would come in and they'd say what a great student I was and that they never had any problems with me and I'm just very compliant. And, and my mom would say that's who I was even as a child, like anything that she asked me to do, I would do. Well, um, the spring of my seventh grade year, my stepdad passed away from cancer. Mm. And um, it, as a matter of fact, they came to get me while I was eating lunch at school. Mm. So it was a normal day having that typical seventh grade conversation, probably talking about, you know, the courses or homework crushes. I don't know, whatever <laughs> it was. And um, the, the woman from the office put her hand on my shoulder and said, your mom's best friend is here to take you to the hospital. Mm. And so unfortunately I had to go and I said goodbye to him and that that afternoon he he passed away. And my whole high my whole school experience changed from that day on. While people, you know, some of my teachers knew and maybe I don't know if all of them knew, but only some of them reached out to me. And they reached out to me at first, you know, they'd say welcome back, I'm sorry to hear what happened. Mm -hmm. Maybe a week or two later they checked in with me, but beyond that no one really checked with me mm -hmm. further. 
And I did, I did well seventh grade, did okay eighth grade. And by my ninth grade year, my grades really started to slip. Um, and I was, I was the kid that was really intelligent. In fact, I could sleep through a class, <laughs> wake up and still be fine with doing my homework. So that was enough to get me through. But what I know that, you know, now looking back, my emotional needs as a student weren't being met. And, and while I do not think that is solely the responsibility of an educator and the education system, it's not. It really takes a community. It takes the parents. It takes the neighbors. It takes the close friends. All of that to wrap their arms around a child, particularly when tragedy comes into play and um, there's trauma involved. Um, so, yeah, my high school years, I made it through, went on to college and did great in college. Um, but the high school years were were certainly tough. And I I don't know. I was I made it. I flew under the radar by all means because I was compliant. But grade wise, I definitely was not performing at what I was capable of. And it was more that emotional stuff and just figuring out the grieving process as well. Yeah. Now my family didn't talk a lot about emotions mm -hmm. and we didn't talk, we all grieved in our own way. And we didn't come together to talk about what grieving can look like and how it's different for other people. And so I think at I remember taking a psychology course around 10th or 11th grade. And that's where I really got interested in the mind, the psychology and even emotions and trying to make sense of all that I was experiencing and how I saw my family experience this tragedy in their own way and how everyone, you know, either people kind of fell off, <laughs> you know, the rocker for a little bit, right? Figuring yeah. it out or some people stepped up and they did really well. And it was like, what is that? You know, I was just so curious and curious with my own needs. And so I think that is a lot of what has contributed to where I am today in the studies behind emotions and emotional intelligence that I've done. That's exactly why I asked that question, because usually you pick something and there's a, something that happens in a person's life um, that really, you know, drives them um, to do more and help more people. What a what an interesting time to understand yourself and in, in high school as a secondary educator myself. Uh, I, you know, I go back and when you go through the motions, you feel lost because there is mm -hmm. no real connection. I mean, you have a few teachers that, you know, reach out or you're a coach or what have you. Um, and so that is something that, you know, you've stated before that we started to do in education. We're starting to worry and uh, not worry, but work on those things and understand our student. Um, but what I like about what you do is you've brought to the forefront. Hey, guess what? Um, our educators need some help here, you know, uh, on ourselves. <laughs> Um, talk a little bit about that journey, uh, you know, providing social emotional, you know, learning and experiences for not only our students, but if we're not taking care of ourselves, really, it's tough to take care of others around us. So yeah, t talk a little bit about that. How did that evolve out of that? Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, though, it's that analogy when you're on an airplane, the airplane goes down, you're supposed to put the oxygen mask on yourself in order to even stay with it, right, and help each other or help anyone else. Um, as an educator, when I got into that burnout mode, and burnout doesn't happen by one incident, right. you know, it's a gradual onset. And so when it happens, we recognize when it's finally hit us to the point where we've completely collapsed and crumbled. But it is really hard to recognize when it's happening and when we're getting to that point. 
And I think a lot of that, whatever, what I realized is that I wasn't taking time to reflect on myself. I wasn't holding that space for myself. And while I thought I was meeting kids' needs, I was doing it from an external standpoint of just holding them to expectations, using those reward charts that we often use in special <laughs> ed that's promoted in EBD. And I realized these are only halfway effective. It really, you know, for some kids, they thrive, but very few of them made long-term change. It was all short-term. And so, again, I got really curious, like, what is this? Why am I not getting them to make that long-term internal change? And so that's where I started reflecting on myself. Like, where is it that I make that that change? And how do I make, you know, what what is it that motivates me to do better, do good, and it was really, it came down to that mind-body connection. And in order to prevent myself from going through that burnout phase again, I mean, there was one day that I, I tell this story often, mm -hmm. but it was my wake-up call that I completely drove past my exit 30 minutes. <laughs> and that's when I realized it. I mean, <laughs> I was so lost in my head and just looping through an extremely stressful day. And so it's like, oh my gosh, if I can't even find my way home, what am I doing showing up in the classroom, right? <laughs> like, I need to get a grip on myself. And, and so the, the best way to prevent it, now sure, I can go work out. And I was doing those things. I was choosing you know, healthier eating patterns. I was trying to keep up with the water, but couldn't even get down to the water cooler half the days. I mean, yeah. as an EBD teacher, I was lucky if I got a full prep and lunch most days, you know? Yep. Um, so it was like, okay, so what else do I need to do? And the reality was, is that I wasn't listening to my system. I, I wasn't. I thought I was. I thought I was saying, oh, you know, recognizing when I'm stressed and taking that time to get some extra sleep or go to bed a little bit earlier. Yeah, I was doing that. But what I was really, really missing is that true inner connection mm -hmm. and the inner wisdom that we all have and observing what's happening and being able to respond to that as it's happening in the situation and being able to calm that, calm my nervous system. And once I learned that, like just the power of breathing and breathing correctly, it's huge. It's a game changer. And, and to relax my muscles as soon as I tense up with anything. I mean, because life throws us curveballs all day long, right? Like. Yes. I don't know who, you know, unless you're on like a Zen retreat that I was just recently on this last week, but even there I had some curveballs. I mean, trying to climb these high mountains that I'm not used to climbing and this rock and you're right on the ledge, you know, you look down and you're like, Whoa, you feel not for but me. That's kind of what life does to us. I think right. consistently. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was my ability to be able to like, just pause in that moment, rec you know, recognize that physiological response, breathe into that nurture it and then embrace it so that I can continue on in a healthy way and just continue because our stress will escalate and we can decrease it right away mm -hmm. if we incorporate those tools. And so when I realized when I was able to do that, I was able to remember a lot better. Yeah. I was a lot more effective and efficient at what I was doing. Um, I could work on an IEP from start to finish. Whoa, you yeah, know, right. like <laughs> that's a skill in itself. Right. <laughs> right. And even with the um, the disturbances that were happening around me or interruptions, I should say, because I would 
you know, during my prep, I would have students that would come in and they would have to be processing with a paraprofessional and they were emotional or behavioral or a little bit of both, you know, um, I was able to still continue to stay completely in my zone and get that finished. And it was all through that power of listening to my internal system and responding to it in a way that I was equipped um, and using my own my own superpowers, right? We all have those stress combating superpowers. And, and it's hard. I mean, if we don't know how to tap into them and use them right on the spot, then they're really not effective on the reactive end. It's they're most effective on the pro um, on the proactive end. Mm -hmm. And so once I started doing that, I thought, okay, I got to teach this to the students. Yeah, I got to connect them to their bodies. And really that awareness. And so when I saw like the five point scale, are you familiar with that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But okay. you can tell the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. So the five point scale gives that that number system mm -hmm. um, one through five and five being like I've kind of lost control. I'm really angry. One's at a calm place, happy place. Um, and then the other part of five point scale is what it feels like and what it looks like. Yeah. And what I learned is that there were so many kids not even just on the autism spectrum. So those kids often can't identify, right? Mm. They need that extra guidance to identify what it feels like, what it looks like. Yeah. But even a typical kid that needed a little bit of intervention or going into the class and teaching the five point scale. And I thought, are we that out of touch with ourselves that we're not recognizing that anymore? Yeah. And the answer is, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've really gotten out of touch. I think we're just so distracted and busy that it's hard to even um when we talk about you know feeling stressed what does that even feel like with our internal response system and what does it look like to the outsider because yeah. there's a lot of cues that we give indicating that we're stressed like one of my clients um a leader that i coach he'll tug at his shirt oh. as soon as he's anxious mm -hmm. and, and i pick up on that cue right away and i can step in and help him but it was the same things once I learned that with, at first I had to learn it with myself mm -hmm. before I started really recognizing it with other people. And once I did that, I was able to step right in with my kids and the students that I worked with and even my own children. And I can help regulate their system before the system gets too out of control. You know, I, wow. And thank you for those stories because it's so true. I've seen it. I felt it myself. Um, the, the five is always key, right? It, it really does make you stop. First, you stop and think, right? You have to stop and think of where you are, which is that pause. Anytime you can pause. Um, you know, you've taught me a little bit about breathing mechanisms and, and how you can breathe. Um, and as educators, uh, you know, especially secondary educators, anything, all educators, really, it's a nonstop day. It's go, 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 go. And like you said, I'm so glad you brought it up. Even on your breaks, there are always somebody knocking on your door, an email comes in, something is, is going on. Um, I will tell you that um, I appreciate all these things. I'm going to ask uh, for a couple more uh, things, but, but I, myself, I have changed some things and I think we all have to kind of do it or figure it out individually. Um, but it helps obviously with, with a mindfulness coach. Um, you do, you learn so much more and you really, I sleep better. Um, you, I, the, the day starts better because I've eliminated some certain distractors, mainly screens in the morning, um, and all these things. So with all these things being said, I want to ask you, 
What are some of the things that you see that is working with teachers and educators that that you're speaking with? Mm, Well, as you said, everything, um, each person is their own individual. And so while these tools are highly effective for most people, it's not always going to work for everyone. And I don't believe in a one size fits all. So I'm launching the Reduce Educator Burnout course, which starts next week. And you'll have any participants will have individualized coaches so that they can choose the tools that I place in the toolbox and choose what's right for them. But I would say some of the most effective things have been the breathing correctly. We can breathe anywhere we're at. We don't need to grab anything extra. You can do that while you're teaching. So you can calm your nervous system. The muscle relaxation also. um, So that's really just going through and doing the body scan, recognizing where that tension is sitting within our system and using our breathing to release any of that tension and relax it. That too, you can do as you're up in front of your class giving a lecture right? And just the importance of taking that full breath before you respond to a student that maybe has triggered you (laughs) is a game changer. Because then you're responding rather than reacting and reacting in a way that we don't choose to, you know, would like to react or um, we might regret. Um, The other part I think that is really important for teachers is to put boundaries up. Um, I highly recommend as an administrator, I would encourage teachers all the time to put boundaries up around their prep. And they were like, we can do that. Yeah. (laughs) You can lock your door if you have to. I don't care. Put a sign on the door just saying, I'm sorry, I have a really important phone call that I have to make or really important work today. Come back tomorrow. Or um, what teachers did was they would actually choose because they felt so guilty. They would normally have students in during their prep. And that was the time to catch up. There's always before school. There's always after school. And we, we can give those students the menu of options. You don't have to have a rotating door on your classroom, right? Um, There are other ways that they can connect with you too, whether it's through email. Um, But put a sign up and just say, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm not available during prep. And you hold that as sacred time. The other thing I would say is lunch. Lunch is a time that you need to take. (laughs) Your brain needs that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And... And hold that space. Now, could you have students in while you're eating lunch? Absolutely. But you are going to stay committed to eating lunch and feeding your body the nutrients that it needs, particularly when we're stressed. We need those nutrients as well as we need the water. We need that extra water intake. So I've had some educators that come into their classroom. They fill up a gallon jug right away in the morning. (laughs) Rather than your water bottle, you Mm -hmm. actually fill up a gallon jug. And that's what you bring to the classroom so that you can fill up your water bottle and get that intake, the water intake that you need throughout the day. And they always say, well, what about going to the bathroom? I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. You will work. You'll work it out. (laughs) Trust me on that. (laughs) You will find that one minute. Um, I think another game changer is um, the time that teachers take up front to connect with their students Mm -hmm. and to be completely present and hold space during any challenges. That five minutes of holding space versus the brushing off, because when we brush off, it usually takes 15, 20 minutes later. (laughs) And if you sent that kid out of your classroom, now you've committed to an hour at least <laughs> catching the principal up. Maybe if there's a suspension, even longer with an intake meeting, right? Yep. You've absolutely. really committed yourself to a lot of extra time. So just leaning into that difficulty 
and owning to a student. Like I used to tell my students with emotional behavioral disorders, elementary level. So we think that cognitively they're not even, you know, fully comprehending it. I would say today is really tough day for me. Mm-hmm. And they were the best behaving yep, kids right. of those days. Even when they were having meltdowns, they were still all of a sudden aware. And I believe that that was that deeper interconnection and that ability to hold space for myself. But then the times that I held space for them when they were having a challenging day, mm-hmm. they too then would, would um, hold that space for me. Coming up after the break, Shyla and I dig deeper into how to change education and really what it looks like to teach teachers on their mental health and and understanding their own social emotional learning. We'll be right back after this. I recently asked Jake, who is a sophomore in high school, why he uses SpikeView to share his learning journey. Um, I think it's really cool that, you know, SpikeView is really putting that abstract into con- concrete data and knowledge and then displaying that to the outside world. And I think SpikeView is different than anything else out there. Um, like I said before, because it's really taking that, you know, the, that those abstract skill sets and those abstract experiences and putting them into data that, you know, is actually mathematic and scientific and, um, you know, that matches you up with the best programs. and. Um, you know, best places for you. People, um, you know, who are really trying to make those changes in the world and they're going to be using SpikeView because SpikeView is that app where you can, you know, take take those experiences and take those passions and put them out there um, and share with other people. And that's, you know, that's really powerful. And to that, you know, that professional networking piece, um, you know, to be with other like-minded teenagers, that puts you ahead. That puts you ahead in a lot of ways. And so, um, you know, I think anyone who uses SpikeView right now has a leg up in the future. And excited to see, you know, where those SpikeView alumni head up. Head to spikeview.com. Start your portfolio now for free. I love the fact that, you know, understanding that you do this with your students, right? Um, and it becomes easier. Um, <clears throat> uh, the other day, I we were on a hybrid situation, which we are, and I was at home because we were all at home that one day of the week. And uh, I posted it. I was like, after 10 minutes of class, I was outside. I had my sunglasses on. And everybody's like, oh, Mr. H, you're looking really good. And I'm like, you're all about to look really good, too. You're all going to go. And I'm going to challenge everybody to take the rest of the time that we have and close your laptop and go outside and just listen for 10 minutes. Um, and it does, it, it helps you. And I can't tell you, Shiloh, how many students said thank you. And I would, I would think, you know, all right, if that was me, I'd be like, all right, I'm running away. I don't have to do anything. But, um, so many kids thanked me. Um, either they're more mature than I was or still am. Um, but, uh, but also they really appreciate it. Um, and then when you do tell your students, you know what, I'm having a, I'm having a tough day. You, they become so empathetic. It's all, all, all of a sudden they're like, Hey, how can I help? You know? And he's like, wait, aren't you the one that just gave me so much grief yesterday? So, um, I love that. Um, yeah. going forward, um, through the pandemic and, and the different types of things that, that we're doing, um, how do you, how do you see this coming into play even more in education, uh, in learning, in systems, um, what, is, what does mindfulness look like now and how has it changed um, through the last year? 
Hmm, that is a good question. So what I've recognized is that change, full change does not really happen until we get to a point where we feel forced to make that change. Mm -hmm. Otherwise in education and other organizations, not education alone, but change is such a slow moving process. And if you're in education, you're laughing right now because you know what I'm <laughs> talking about. Like, even though we have this new, you know, state mandated or federally mandated initiative that we need to make that change, it fully doesn't happen until like three to five years later. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think with, um, COVID brought on really high stress levels. It is a form of trauma and we have to start recognizing it as that, as well as being a caregiver, um, which educators, we are caregivers, the, the traumas and the stressors that our students experience, we then experience that as a secondary form of trauma. And I don't believe that we are acknowledging it as that. I hear some administrators um, or some buildings are still continuing on with the state testing, the regular district testing. They're even responding to students as we need to catch them up and get them <laughs> caught up as if they didn't miss like right. the last three months of school and how many months now, you know, that they've now we've been doing our best with instruction, but we have to be honest, it is not the same. When we are in person, we have our systems to regulate one another. Mm -hmm. Right now over video, we don't get that advantage. You know, if, if I tell you, Peter, if we start a class and I say, everyone, let's breathe together, and I highly encourage you to do this, and everyone takes three deep breaths together, we've now pulled people in. Mm -hmm. And we've synchronized one another. Like I've, and when I work with students that get pretty volatile or even staff, what I will do is I will just start slowly breathing and I'll just enough where they can hear it. Yeah. And the next thing I know is their system automatically calms down. Don't tell them to breathe because they're going to push back. <laughs> and right. that's, that's human nature, right? Yeah. Like don't tell me what Especially to do. Especially teens. That's not yeah. Happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you just do it, they'll start mirroring that. Yeah. Um, and so you had asked about like, how, how does this play in with the pandemic? Um, I think it's really just creating that importance of holding space mm -hmm. and our ability to hold space for ourselves and one another and talk about how this pandemic has really impacted us yeah. where we need to be talking on a daily basis we should be doing a biology check-in how much water are you drinking how much sleep are you getting every night what is that quality of your sleep what kind of meals are you taking in how can we support that where are your emotions? What are your stress levels? I say if you, we get at like a six or higher, our brain is no longer working optimally. Mm -hmm. You know, a little bit of stress is good, but this type of stress, moderate to high levels of stress ongoing, it starts impacting us at a cellular level. Yeah. And and out from that come what comes from that is the disease, you know, mm -hmm. dis-ease. And so if we don't do something fast, not only burnout was a pandemic or an issue, I should say, before the pandemic happened, now it's really becoming a pandemic of the pandemic. Right. And it was about 50% of educators were burnt out within the first five years of teaching. And when it takes us about five years just to get that certification, <laughs> you know, that's, that's concerning in itself. And then, um, you know, now I would say with COVID, there's not a lot of solid research or information out there, but I bet we're about 
Well, I mean, we have here in the States, right? We have nine weeks ish left. Uh, if you're on a, uh, you know, a nine or 10 month system, I've never looked forward to it to some time off. Um, you know, and, and I usually don't, it's weird. I don't usually look forward to summer to like, I, I do, but like for rest, I mean, it's always more, um, which I'm comfortable with, but this year it's, it's exhausting. You can see it in everybody's eyes. Um, and I, I really like the fact that, you know, even in this challenging times, we are now accelerating social emotional learning and mindfulness. And really, I like the biology check-ins. I'm thinking right now in my head, we could make this a class for the students actually to learn biology and, you know, all these different, I would have taken that science class, right? Um, have you seen anything out there uh, that are courses um, that are embedded in schools yet? Or is most of this outside of school? What kind of things have you seen built around mindfulness? I have seen, I mean, there's a second step is more elementary based. Um, I think Mind Up is another mindfulness based curriculum. I had my training through Mindful Schools, which comes with a K-12 curriculum. Mm -hmm. Most of what is geared towards that social emotional learning is in the elementary. And I think that's so unfortunate. Um, we're missing a huge pocket of kids that really need it in those middle school, high school years, right? Yeah. That's where, I mean, the suicide rates are also on the increase, mental health and all of that. And so uh, what I, I would prefer to see is like more of an emotionally intelligence-based program um, geared towards secondary. Most of the time, um, there's not a lot of solid curriculum. So it's usually hiring outside people like myself mm -hmm. to come in and work with the school staff as well as speak with the kids. Um, and that is something I'm partnering up with someone that he, um, a, a, a colleague of mine has unleashed your inner rock star and really focuses on um, you know, the, the suicide rates, anxiety and all that, where I have more of the working with educator and administrative components. Mm -hmm. And we're being contacted quite often right now to help serve those schools and as well as, you know, serve the staff and the students. Because I think before we always looked at it, it was just a student's thing. We need yeah. to serve the students. And now the pandemic has really highlighted that we need to be serving staff first and foremost. Um, and, and that's nothing new. We should have been doing that a long time ago. Right. Uh, you know, and what I found that teachers ask for more time and even me, myself as a teacher or even an administrator, there were times where I asked for more time. But when I didn't stop and take care of my stress levels, that extra time did me no good. Right. right. Because I was really ineffective in my work. Right. My brain wasn't working at optimal levels. And so I just sat there and spiraled. And so it's really, I think we have to be super intentional about when we are getting more time, what are we doing with that? Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a personal responsibility, but there's an organizational responsibility as well. Because Peter, if you don't have the tools that you need in order to lower your stress levels and the space and a space that you can go to to do that, chances are it's not going to happen. And you're going to come back even after summer break and you're going to feel just as fried as you, you know, maybe a little less, probably mm -hmm. a little less, but you're going to walk in the door fried. 
And, and I don't want that. I want to create a program and that's why we um, did the reduce educator burnout course. It's only six weeks, but create something where teachers can start and just kind of clean the slate or really reduce their stress and then have the tools that they need in order to move forward and continue to combat that. Because um, we'll never get to avoid stress. I think that's another unrealistic expectation that we set, right? Yeah. Well, if this happened, then this, you know, then I would be so happy. I'd be full of joy. Or if this happened, you know, if the student behaved, I wouldn't have that stress. Well, yeah, you would. You'd still have 75 papers correct on a night where your kids have sports and religion class and everything else. Do you think more of our teachers should be trained before they get into the classroom? Should this be part of teacher training? And if so, um, should it be part of the university system or somewhere in there? Because I know mine was all classroom management that was it really and then know your curriculum um mind you it was 20 years ago but um yeah what where do you see this coming into play in teacher training should this be in in teacher training absolutely i would love to see it as part of you know like a personal management class right in, at the university level and i know at, when i was an administrator the special education teachers that i brought in i asked my superintendent for two full days with them mm -hmm. And we worked on personal development. I didn't cover a lot of, I covered a little bit of what was special, uh, you know, expected of them on a special ed mm -hmm. aspect, but it was more, we created like a vision board for them and not like the well, vision board that sounds so fluffy type. It was really goal oriented. And then I scheduled four half days with them throughout the year for their first few years. Mm -hmm. And we worked exactly on, I have a yoga background too. Mm -hmm. So I taught them, you know, some of the breath work, the different types of breathing that they can use in for certain situations. So there's breaths that we can take that will energize us and give us energy. There's a breath, a breath that you can do to heat your body when you're cold and you're in the classroom, right? And I'm here in Minnesota and we <laughs> often teach in very cold classrooms. <laughs> And so I teach that, um, you know, there's a breath of happiness that will calm your nervous system. And actually it's supposed to ignite a little bit of joy and happiness. And um, so there's lots of options. And yes, I think that it's a really important part of onboarding for teachers and, and really shouldn't be just onboarding. It should be a continuation. Yeah. It should be something you all should be able to access at any time. Mm -hmm. It's continuous. It's, I mean, there the stress levels go up and down and, and I can tell you, you know, as a person who is constantly looking into different ways to de-stress, um, uh, I think a lot of us were forced to this year, but um, and also a lot of us are struggling. Um, but with all that being said, and in the work that you're doing, I want to give a, a, a chance for you to let people know how can they contact you, how can they contact uh, Intermatter, and and uh, you know maybe seek out some of the. The services you have a wonderful facebook group um yeah how can people contact you yeah there's a few different ways thank you for asking so i do send out every monday i send a mindful monday email at 7 a.m central time it just comes out and it comes with like a short story maybe something that's happened in the classroom or i hear what's happening with educators and then a simple mindfulness tip or i'll even share a little bit about my personal life um, and I aim for really practical tips. So it's not like something that you're going to have to add to your schedule. It's something that you should be able to immerse a practice that you should be able to immerse into your teaching practice. Um, the other way is to visit my website. Um, and if you sign up for the mindful Monday email, you would do that too. It's HTTPS 
dot slash slash intermatter.net. Mm-hmm. If you go there, you can sign up for the Mindful Monday emails. You can contact me. Um, we're also launching the six-week Reduce Educator Burnout course. And so if you want to get this practice at an individual level, come and join me for six weeks. You're going to have a small group coach. You'll be assigned to that coach all, from the start to finish. We will actually even be available for you throughout the rest of the year. So if there's a time where you've just overwhelmed and you need to make a call to us for us to guide you through um, just that stress relaxation process, we, we're available for that. So that's part of that code, um, that course. That's another benefit. Um, and yeah, with my services, I either come into schools with a consulting, meaning I look at where everyone is as an organization or sometimes just a special program. I make recommendations and it's up to the building to do. Typically, we don't see the best results there. Um, So coaching is really usually the best. So um, districts can consult with me. I come in and then I do the coaching and the modeling. And so it's an ongoing process. We come in and do some professional development and then we work alongside educators and the administrative staff to make this change and make sure that it happens and that you're supported all along the way. There's nothing more frustrating than going to those one and done workshops where, hey, we're going to present this to you and then we're not going to do anything with it. We're never going to talk about it again. It's like, why did you just commit me to, you know, sometimes I spent two full days. Why did you just commit me to that? You know, And now I know we're not going to do anything about it. So <laughs> that is not a model that um, I really support here at Intermatter and make sure that if I am signing up with a, an administrator, that it's something that's ongoing. Super, super important. Um, I love that. And and thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Um, you know, we need this as educators across the world, not only here in the States. So um, really appreciate you sharing your story. And uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us, Shyla, on Disrupt Education today. Yeah, thank you so much. It was so fun to be here. And I, as always, I love talking about mindfulness and connecting with other educators. So feel free to reach out to me anytime. And the Facebook group is Social Emotional Learning for Educators, teaching them to go from surviving to thriving. So if you look for that, um, yep, you can request to join. It's free. I'm a part of that too. So I I do like that. And I've got a few of your videos and it does work. And and it's whenever you want to do it, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's the beauty of it. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. And for everybody else listening, thank you for listening. Don't forget to give us some feedback. Five-star review never hurts. Uh, And we'll see you next time on Disrupt Education. 